Side B of Lady Gaga's Chromatica. Hello, so everyone. If you didn't, yeah, yeah. I suppose I should let Matt say hi before I just start talking over him, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't listen to this album, you should hit pause, go listen to it, and come on back because you'll be missing out. You won't know what the heck we're talking about. Kind of defeats the purpose of a book club album thing. Yeah, exactly. So last week we told the backstory of this album. So hopefully you listen to that. Uh, but if you don't care about the stories and just want to hear about the songs, then I guess that's fine. You can skip that one. <laughs> uh, so this album's got, I didn't actually, I didn't count how many songs are on this album. Is it 16? Well, there's those interludes that kind of mess with it, but yeah. Uh, 16 minus three is 13. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like that. I don't know. Don't take our word for that. We might be wrong on that there. It's 13 plus the 13. extra and the exclusive makes it 14 if you want to get picky. Gotcha. Yeah, so we're not reviewing the exclusive because it wasn't on Spotify. So if you want to listen to that, then you got to go find it on YouTube or go to Target and actually buy the record. <laughs> yep. We're spoofy fanboys. Yeah. Uh, so this album is kind of cool. It's got three things that they call Chromatica 1, 2, and 3 that are just like little interludes in between the songs. Mm-hmm. I like to kind of think of them as like little, I guess it's only one and two, not one, two, and three, unless I skipped it in my notes. There's three. There's three. Okay, so I just skipped it in my notes. They're kind of like little, I guess, you'd, um, little chapter markers, I guess. Kind of good stopping points to yeah. pause and take a break. They're like little intermissions that they sound nice on their own yeah they have nothing to do with the rest of the album (laughs) yeah i kind of blame the producers a little bit for those because they don't transition that well between the songs they don't connect to them texturally or tonally they um basically if you didn't listen then they are like little string quartets or Mm -hmm. however many strings are in there doesn't matter and they're most of this song like we talked about last time is like house music a lot of synth and uh and like drum machine grooves and and such so these acoustic instruments coming in for these couple of interludes are a bit odd and they don't 
really make an effort to transition the tones into the electronic sound. So it just kind of stops and then the song starts. So there isn't really even a musical idea that it's like riffing off of that. Hey, we're going to play the theme from the next song or something in the, the hook or the riff. And then here you go. Here's the song in its new form. It's not like that. No, it's just like these little lines that quote unquote set up the next section. And that's it. The only thing I think I noticed is that the, uh, in Chromatica one that opens the album, it starts with the same, uh, drone note that the, uh, the first real song has. Yeah. And I and didn't pay that second... much attention to the others. And I, I know that in the, the third one before the Elton John, uh, feature, that one seems to connect a little bit. And it, that's the only one though that musically felt the most appropriate. Well, that... the second one had the drum beat at the end of it. They brought in the kick drum and that, that synced up. That one does. It's just, it, they the give it a lot of sense, time but... to make that change. So your ear doesn't really tell when the change really happens. So you could say it's smooth, but it would have been more interesting to me if they took those acoustic instruments out of nowhere and really messed with them tonally so that it would shift in a, in a stronger way. I do think Chromatica 2 into 911 has a very interesting little like hits the switch that sounds mm -hmm. cool but it just doesn't connect to each other yeah they're kind of weird so i guess that's all we have really to say about those they sound great on their own like the first one sounded like this great music score movie score opening up mm -hmm. i thought it was cool but then the music started or the actual song started and i was like okay well that was weird so Enough with those. We'll move on from those because those weren't really that great. <laughs> yeah, they don't do that much for the album, unfortunately. Right. Exactly. So the first song here is Alice. And I swear that the lyrics are not what she's... The written lyrics are not what she's singing. <laughs> do you know which ones that you think you mean? Um, when she says... Uh, my name is Alice. Uh-huh. I swear that's not what she says. <laughs> Are you thinking something that would not make us a PG podcast? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, something that would cause us to have to mark this as explicit. And I don't really want to do that. Okay. <laughs> or when she says my name isn't Alice. Just the way that she, the, the reverb on there and everything. I, every time I heard it. I listened to it like three times before I looked up the lyrics and I was like, what is this? What is she saying? <laughs> I gotcha. Because gotcha. then she kept talking about Wonderland. I'm like, okay, I know the song is Alice and she's talking about Wonderland, but I'm not hearing the word Alice. And then I realized that she does say it. It just didn't sound like it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of wordplay in this album. A so lot. you never know if she's making a very personal reference. You never know. Especially yeah. with everything she's been through, it could just be a, a twist on words that you're supposed to hear what it's not. And then that like contains its own little message because that is all over the place in this album. Right. And that's kind of the fun of of this. I don't know 
for that one. But uh, yeah, also, I don't think it was unintentional. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. It would it makes sense because they could have just made it a little bit drier signal and it would have cleared it up. Yeah. But it's a pretty wet signal, so everything kind of blends together, which is cool. It creates a very interesting effect. When I read the actual lyrics, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it now. Mm-hmm. This makes sense. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a pretty strong start to the album, though. It sets the tone of the rest of it with that house music EDM feel. It most certainly beat, does. It. Yeah. I mean, the beat definitely had me tapping my feet. It's a fun one. It's Yeah. And I thought the lyrics kind of showed the sense of longing that she shows throughout the rest of the album, where she's trying to look for something that she doesn't quite have or is arriving at something she's been wanting for a while, talking mm-hmm. about looking for wonder for Wonderland, you know? And I think that kind of uh, follows that imagery of finding Chromatica, of this mm-hmm. uh, perfect utopia of emotion and uh, music is God, planet. And I did think it was a little weird that uh it was using alice in wonderland like, i i get it that alice in wonderland is like considered a bit of a euphemism for a, a drug trip and there's uh, all this imaginative exploration of fantasy involved there it's just it's fairly overplayed and, and used a lot so even though it is interesting and it makes total sense here i am surprised to see it on uh what did we say this is her sixth album yeah she's been around for a while she's a huge name so seeing a song using alice in wonderland from a big name like this is a little bit surprising just because it's such a common cliche for these sorts of um analogies i'm not saying it's bad i'm just surprised by it as the first time i heard it i was like oh okay interesting Mm -hmm. and um and musically this is probably one one of the better as far as like the the house sound goes it's the most fun it it grooves pretty well with that uh eurobeat feel and i guess i would have to like maybe shuffle playlist around to stick this closer to the end of the album to see how well it holds up in comparison to the rest of it because sometimes i feel like maybe because this is the first one and it does feel pretty good i hear it at the start every time i've listened to this album so do i like this one because it really is one of the stronger grooves or is it just because it's the one i hear first and i'm not tired of the edm sound at that point I'm not That's sure. Because yeah. if it was at the end of the album, then maybe I wouldn't hear it as strong. I I don't know. I still like it. I've listened to this album a ton. So I feel like by now I would know if this is a, just another house song like some of the album is. Right. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Because I did like this song a lot, too, and it seems like it has been received better than a lot of them. But that is a good point. I mean, it's all all the songs start to sound the same after a while. And so maybe since it's earlier in the album, it just was more um, more refreshing. Because it is a throwback. I mean, they wanted it to be more like classic EDM house music, not like a modern house music. And it's definitely classic Gaga. I mean, right. Oh Mama 
is in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just a direct reference to Poker Face. <laughs> yeah, she makes a lot of references to her older songs. Right. A lot uh, of the um, the vocalizing is from older songs. There's nothing wrong right. with that. Like It's part of her musical style. It's yeah, um, it fits her. This brand. is the most Gaga I think the album has with this house because some of it is it's like it's just a house song with Gaga in it. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought this was a good strong start to the record. Um, and lyrically, I actually think it did a good job of setting up the rest of it too. Not oh, just yeah. the yeah. the punching and the the punching kick drums and all that stuff for the EDM sound, but. I thought it gave it a good setup for everything else. It kind of explains her emotional state. Right. It, uh, it shows that she's kind of caught off in her mind and fantasy, that that's where she is. So its placement in the album really is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as there maybe could have been things moved around in the album, this one, this it's exactly where it should be. It's I definitely agree with that. 100% a good opener. It feels good. It sounds good. It's not too strong. Like it's not too loud and proud and uh in your face. So it just slides you into the the EDM sound. And uh yeah. It's good. I like yeah. it. It's a good solid song. So that leads us into the next one, which is Stupid Love. <laughs> which I mean, again, like the, I like the synth sounds that they used. They were fun in this one. Had a really good drive. Definitely fit that EDM house feel, but everything fit that really, really well. Um, I liked that the texture changed a little bit in the pre-chorus and gave it more of the actual, like, poppy vocal sound rather than the EDM sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and lyrically, it was pretty interesting. Like the way I thought it went was that it was kind of reflecting on past relationships that went sideways and my guess is that she calls it stupid because she feels stupid for all for having fallen in love with these people i, don't, I have no idea that's just kind of how i interpreted that is uh i mean it's a good solid yeah. song i didn't think it was anything special compared to the other ones but i think uh this is one of the wordplay ones so the i want your stupid love it refers to that i think it could also be taken as i want just to be loved if you mm-hmm. slur the words it can sound like that which that's that's in the lyrics um i was gonna say doesn't she sing that actually sing that word for word at one point i think all i ever wanted was love all uh is in there and if you if you don't pay attention you can hear i just want to be loved instead of i want your stupid love in fact, I th- I could have sworn that was one of them. I could have too, but I'm reading through the lyrics right now and I don't see that. No, it's not there. So I think there's at least a few of them where she's purposefully slurring the words in that direction. Yeah. Uh, to get that message I didn't that. across so that it does have that dual meaning. And that would connect the verse as well so that it's not just a like a breakup song or a reflection it also has the uh like it's stupid love because all i want is love so it makes me a little desperate sometimes so i make stupid decisions to get that love from stupid people sometimes (laughs) yeah interesting 
that I will is... say with this one, I am not a fan of the um, uh, the riff with the voice, like the electro voice that's um, mm-hmm. pitched up way up. I'm I just don't like how that sounds very much in here. I like the drum beat. I like the uh, the synth. It's almost like a guitar thing that goes in there. That sounds kind of cool. But the right. thing sounds like there's a feature from Alvin and the Chipmunks. And right, yeah. I'm I'm just not into that. That sound that like Rain on Me, I feel like is maybe the most dated overall. But that sound is it sounds like it's from 40 years ago at this point, <laughs> like from the, like the 90s or the 80s or something. And I just don't think that that sounds too good. The notes that it plays, I don't think are bad because I, I was uh, messing around with this earlier, figuring out like where all the keys are, seeing if it's all the same. It's not. It moves around a lot. And uh, the line is fine. I just wish it had a different sound attached to it, something more interesting. And mm-hmm. I don't understand some of the uh, choices from the producers on these textures. Yeah. Um, from what I read on it, they were just trying to make it, they were legitimately going for like a real throwback feel, okay. which I, I like that, but also dislike it at the same time. It's like not it the good, kind of throwback but... that I, I would want. Right, exactly. I mean, I like the I like throwback, but I think it needed a little bit more modern of a twist. Yeah, something to push it into a new sound while also supporting, basically going back to what a lot of the world likes, which is Eurodance. So right. it's not just EDM. Like I feel like this album was also made uh, because the EDM Euro scene um hasn't been catered to very much from america and this will probably or probably already is making a ton of money over there i'm um, sure yeah so the next song then would be rain on me which matt sounded like you didn't really care for this one as much i it's grown on me it's only that i'm mad at it for having ariana grande in it and not being so much bigger I agree. Like I, when I saw featuring Ariana Grande, I was like, "Okay, this is going to be awesome." Because you got yep. Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande. They were like, two favorite that, pop stars, and this with two was of the just, biggest voices out there. I know. I they sound really good. The song is fine. Like I said, it's the most dated tonally, but mm-hmm. it is a throwback, and it's the probably the biggest throwback of the album. Um, it sounds like this was recorded 15 years ago and uh, it's just they both can do more and i feel like they played it safe so as to not overplay each other in any way and i don't really know what i would want i just know that this isn't all the way there that i hope that they that they do another one Mm-hmm. because Ariana Grande stuff is incredible. And she's kind of one of the uh, like pioneers right now of that lo-fi chill pop sound. Um, the uh, thank you next album sounds nothing like this. Her current work doesn't connect to this style at all. 
at the moment. Even though it is very electronic, it's not EDM. And Lady Gaga herself is such a strong singer. So having these two on a track and it, I don't know. I just wish it would have pushed things a little bit more. Yeah. I, I kind of thought so too. Musically. I am glad that this wasn't sour candy though. Yes. Because I feel like that's the alternative and sour candy is perfect just the way it is with what it's got. And I wouldn't really want these two in that song. I prefer this one just because it has a more emotional message and I feel like both of their stories connect to it well. So I Mm -hmm. understand a lot of it. It's just musically in the end. I feel like it could have been stronger because of who's on it. Right. Exactly. I agree. As far as lyrically, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, Lady Gaga said that the rain in the song is actually a reference to drinking. Yeah. So she was kind of drinking through her problems, but she didn't want to. Which she's made references to this in the past. She's in other songs that she's written. She said, "This will be my last drink," and that sort of thing. Uh, clearly, she didn't keep her word. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it, it's. Uh, she said she would rather be dry, meaning she wished she wasn't washing her emotions away with alcohol. But at least I'm alive, so rain on me. So she'd rather deal with her issues by drinking than be dead. Which, I mean, I can't blame her there. Yeah, that is definitely a better alternative. Uh, it is kind of interesting to me just listening to her story through this album talking. So she's talking about how she got through stuff by drinking. Uh, but in the other song, she talks about how music is what got her through everything. So I just think that's kind of funny. Just kind of a little twist to see how her perspective on things changed as the album went on. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say too, musically, this album is a three minute song, but I swear it was like a six or 10 minute song. It felt so long. It does feel really long. And it's not. And the music video sucked. (laughs) That could have been a little more fun. I liked the, uh, the like dual dimension thing it had going on. It was interesting. It was just a little confusing, but I'm not a music video person. So yeah, me neither. I never really watched them. I listened to the music and, uh, music videos hardly ever connect well to the music itself. And uh, I'm sure there will be some of you listeners that love music videos that hate that. But there is a lot of time where the music video has a completely different vision than the song in the first place. And that's fun and well and good. It's just a little weird to me sometimes that I'm just like sitting there watching the band stand around singing their song with weird effects (laughs) going on. And it doesn't (laughs) actually connect to the message (laughs) of the song. It's just what they wanted to do with Mm -hmm. the video. And and there's a lot a lot of uh, sync issues because they use the. uh the mastered version and they're just lip syncing to things. And that drives me nuts. Um, it's hard for me to watch. I like, a a genuine performance. I'd rather go and watch them live and them not even, uh, sing it as well as they do on the album. than watch a music video where everything looks great and everything sounds great, but it doesn't really match up. So it's a little off putting, but, uh, one thing I will say for it is that, uh, towards the end of the song, when they're kind of riffing off of the chorus and singing in little harmonies, uh, Ariana has a line that it's just the one, three, five, three. Um, it sounds really good. <laughs> that, 
when I listen to this song, I'm just waiting for the end chorus where they're singing <laughs> over it and having fun and uh, Ariana singing her, like, not even backup lines, just her harmonized lines around it. And it's it's good. I like it towards yeah. the end more than the front end. Yeah, I agree. It's It's a pretty solid song. I just thought it could have had more basically so the next song here free woman I, i'll be honest i got so tired of the edm feel by this song already uh that natural triplet and the synthesizers was really driving me nuts and the synth tone that they used on the song i it sounded like a song from hillsong young and free i was like oh my gosh <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it just started to get to me the the edm feel uh, but lyrically, it, this was a good song. It's such a sad story. Mm-hmm. So she's talking about um, getting over the emotions and the, sh- and the shame she felt after being sexually assaulted, assaulted by a music producer, which is just terrible. Um, like in the first verse, when she's talking about walking downtown, she's talking about before she was famous. The chorus starts saying, I say I want it. The first time I think she's referring to her musical career, but then she says, don't fight it. And I'll remember that followed by say i say i want it i think that that's describing the assault essentially and saying she felt like she had to in order to farther her music to career and it's just terrible that anyone feels like they would need to that any woman should ever be in that situation where someone would force himself on her it's just like the harvey weinstein thing in my opinion i hope that whoever that producer is is outed and faces charges for his crimes yeah just it's just sick to think that that's and that's the basis for a lot of her music through here because that i mean that's something that that'll twist you forever mm-hmm. but the rest of the song though does show some light at the end of the tunnel i mean when she talks about being downtown in the second verse she's talking about her recovery now she owns the dance floor in the downtown she's made it through she realizes that what happened to her was not her fault um and she was able to work through it it sounds like I'm just hoping that that's actually true. I'm not interpreting that wrong. But yeah, it's a I mean, very I'm sure, sad story. I mean, we we know from this album and just from facts that, of course, she still deals with it. She's on medication. She has PTSD and is uh, and naturally struggles. But uh, part of the message of the album is uh, fighting that neg- negativity and um, right. Uh, finding peace and solace in music and the uh the chromatica the the god of music kind of thing and um (laughs) right and having that imagery of using music and finding joy in that and in dancing and in singing and uh, making that music to push away the uh just the suffering of life that Mm -hmm. no matter how big you get things are going to come at you and right. uh unfortunately for her the darker things of life came at her <laughs> and, right exactly um, that's it sucks and it's terrible and i know that she has help but i hope that she continues it and that she keeps using this chromatica mindset to stay positive and um, right. support others and i know that she has been like reaching out to younger artists to um to help them. I know that she did for Billie Eilish and uh, 
not as like a um <laughs> if you want to be in the biz you got to be friends with me but more so that uh the message of i'm here for you and i'm big enough now that i can make sure that you're safe right and, um and that you have my support and you don't have to feel bullied out of the biz because of uh, rather haters or critics or grumpy grumpy produce producers or creepy producers uh, et cetera et cetera and this is like i think this comes off at first if you're a jerk like it's just a feminist anthem it's not um right it, it really is talking about her emotional freedom from that uh those dark memories and uh even giving an image of her feelings at that time and it's all hidden under a happy feminist anthem well yeah that's i was kind of gonna talk about that it's it's just so perplexing and i know it was intentional but it's just so weird the juxtaposition of this horrible story with this happy upbeat music and i feel like that that gets even more apparent in the next song uh fun tonight because mm. it's so ironic that it's called fun tonight when the lyric is actually i'm not having fun tonight and yep. it's interesting i mean this one uh, musically i liked it a little bit more than that last one but it connects with it really really well because it's the battle of your mind battle with dealing with in between your ears to get where you want to be and I think it was very well placed right after that song to show the battle, what, what that caused for her. Um, I mean, like looking in the mirror saying she doesn't feel like she is pulling the weight. I mean, she's talking about battling with depression and feeling terrible about yourself and mm -hmm. thinking that you aren't good enough or whatever, but disguised in a fun, upbeat house music dance song called Fun Tonight. And it's all about not having fun because of all the emotions and everything you're dealing with. It's pretty crazy when you think about it, you know? Yeah. And just aside from the uh, the lyrical message of it, that chorus sounds so good. Her voice yeah. when she's belting. And uh, I know that part of your criticism is there's a, one too many Nashville triplets in here. And there's, uh, this is a chorus of triplets. <laughs> That's the, uh, the hook it's using triplets, but it right. sounds so good. Her voice is amazing here. And the, uh, the, the feeling, uh, repetition, it's very, very well written. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it sounds great. Lining sure. up just right with those syllables so that it doesn't like fudge it a little it just hits perfectly in those triplets so that she can really belt and have a nice, nice fresh and tight cut through each of the uh, beats. It's very well done. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And like the Nashville triplet thing, I'm mostly talking about the beat in the background. Yeah. yeah. Like when it's a Nashville triplet or a real triplet in a vocal line, it's not as obvious because rhythms and lyrics go together. So the lyric, the way, how many syllables are in a song is going to define what type of lyric you, or what rhythm you can do because you can only stretch it so much before, before it doesn't make any sense, mm -hmm. before you can't understand what the word is. So in the lyrics, I think it's fine. It's just every song felt like the same beat. <laughs> no, I get that. <laughs> um, and then that brings us to Chromatica 2, which 
there's not really a whole lot of stuff to say except this one did have that nice uh little bit better transition i thought into 911 than the original chromatica one yeah it just i wish it was a little shorter so that it was a mm-hmm. harder transition but i think we should point out that we get it that the our complaint of this being mainly throwback house music and getting tired of it is supposed to be broken up by these chromatica right. uh interludes and they're using that complete breakdown into acoustic strings it's just tonally and texturally doesn't actually fit well enough to be a legitimate right. break so before you uh, type the comment of you dum-dums they gave you the thing that you wanted N- right. not really we get it this is supposed to break it up but like it either nah. was too long or not long enough to break it up <laughs> yeah and this one like like i said the going into 911 there's a really cool beat change and it kind of like shifts its way into it. It's just a little too drawn out so that it's not harsh enough. It's not enough of a punch in the face for the switch. It smooths you into it. And I kind of wish it didn't because the moment mm-hmm. that it does change, it is a little bit of a punch. So it took so long to smooth you into something that was already going to be a punch. So why not draw that back, cut down a little bit on the, uh, the top end of Chromatica 2 so that it gets there a little faster because uh, it it would be a lot it would just be a lot tighter if you got this tension sooner and then it set up 911 which i don't really even like 911 that much but i do like this little entrance into the beat and then right. it's like suddenly we do have a bit of a new sound Overall, it's still pretty DM housey, but the beat has these chip tune sounds. So mm-hmm. at least we're getting something a little new. Yeah, that lines up really well with what I put for my notes, too. Um, I just wrote, it feels dated. It's a nice feeling. Um, it's definitely something I can listen to without being like cringy about it, you know, but mm-hmm. it's still more of the same and it's not really refreshing. As far as the uh, the tone of it and everything, uh, the lyrics are pretty interesting on this one, though. Mm-hmm. Talking about an antipsychotic drug, basically, and it makes me feel really bad for her. <laughs> yeah, because um, you say Papa nine one one. So I think what it's talking about. My interpretation of that was that nine one one was just a euphemism for the drug that she was taking. Um, right, right. Talking about the voices she's hearing in her head and everything. It's like, man, what? I'm so glad I don't, I, I can't even relate to this. You know, I feel so bad for to be in that situation. And she continues with the same theme of happy, go lucky sounding music with a strong beat that you can dance to, where she's quite literally talking about a drug that she has to take in order to keep herself from going crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a really shocking experience when you listen to the music juxtaposed against the lyrics but i know that that's intentional and it really makes you think Mm -hmm. i mean you can't hear the lyrics and not realize oh gosh these are uh, a little opposite of each other (laughs) yeah i think this keeps on throwing in that uh that message of it's it's difficult to feel joy and understand joy when you don't know pain Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of there's a lot of positivity and joy to be found in confronting 
the pain that you have in your life. And so just recognize these, recognizing these things and calling them out and then, um, morphing them into more positive mindsets and accepting things outside of your control, including yourself. Like one of the biggest issues for people that have, uh, the personality disorders and uh, mental disorders is denial. And, Mm -hmm. uh, a main issue for them is that they are so hard pressed to not be crazy that no, I'm fine. I'm good that they will uh, tear themselves away from treatment, from support from others, from taking medication. And it's like their sole purpose is to n- not be what they already have been told that they're struggling with. And they're humiliated or embarrassed with it. And, that's not obviously it's not healthy. Like they can legitimately go nuts doing that. And, um, and that's not even their fault because something in their life gave this to them or they were born with it and developed genetically, whatever that doesn't, that doesn't really matter. It's outside of their control and as well as this denial. So this approach of just admitting my biggest enemy is me Papa nine one one. It's just saying that, I get it that this is happening to me because of me and my mind. Just take the medication, just suck it up and take it because I need it or I'm going to go bonkers and I don't want to go bonkers. And, uh, it's a self acceptance message that it's okay. There's nothing wrong with having a mental disorder. It's more important to accept those emotions and those feelings and confront them and make sure that you're taking care of yourself with whatever means necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, uh, just the whole album really is just makes you think Mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, the next song plastic doll. I, I, my notes, I just wrote nothing to talk about musically. It's just the same. The, Mm -hmm. the bridge has that halftime, which is cool. Nice little change there. Uh, but the statement she's making in the song is pretty cool. So obviously, as a pop star, she's an icon for people. I mean, girls want to look like her, guys want to have her, but it doesn't mean that she can just be toyed with. She's not just a plastic doll sitting on the shelf that anybody can just do whatever they want. She's still human like the rest of us, and should be treated that way. Um, but and she didn't say it. Um, at least I didn't see where she said it. But I feel like you can interpret this song two ways. I feel like you can think about it the way that culture tends to see women as objects to be desired and won. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that's not a good thing. I, I think it's good for a man to desire a wife, but <laughs> a wife is a gift, a blessing that you have, not a prize to be won. Um, and she's talking about how it hurts to be treated like that. You know, I can't relate, but I can imagine that it would suck. Yeah. And nobody should have to. I also think you could take it this way too, that girls shouldn't have to strive to be like someone else to fit that mold just to be desired. Um, it doesn't actually do any good. It just causes pain. And the second way I think you could look at it is that she might, I think she's telling a story of how she's been treated. I, yeah. I, you know, I can only imagine the nerve. I mean, all you have to do is look at YouTube comments or Instagram comments just to see the nerve that some people have to say some of these things. So I can just imagine what she's had to deal with. That would be just horrible. And I think this is a, uh, it's a, 
it's a throwback to past music. She's used this analogy before. Mm-hmm. I don't know where specifically. I just remember uh, seeing that somewhere. And the uh, the plastic, feeling plastic, is something that she's used in the past as like that unfortunate point of fame where you're just such a big star that people don't really even see you as human anymore and won't treat you with like they give you so much respect that they don't actually respect you as a person. Mm-hmm. They just see you as this uh, new level of being and unfortunately that has people treat them like playthings like uh the uh, i know i mentioned it in the last episode but google news keeps on giving me uh articles about lady gaga going out to get pizza with with no pants on just a really long yeah. shirt uh, uh, i keep like getting a, those too. In pajamas and i'm like okay look <laughs> can she's allowed to go get pizza let the woman do what she wants. It's not like she's actually out in the nude or committing crimes or anything. You're just bugging her and taking pictures of her for no reason. <laughs> Especially now in this world that we live in. I mean, come on. In the middle of a pandemic, just let her live her life. <laughs> if, if she wants a pizza, let her go get one. If she wants to go get yeah. it herself, let her do it. <laughs> she doesn't have yep, to send been, an errand boy out to go get something. <laughs> I know. I've been getting those posts, too. I, so I just don't silly. understand it. I had to block those. I just had to remove her from my Google feed because the only articles I was getting was stuff like that. I like, know. I'm like, like I, I don't want real see news that. about what she's up to. Not yeah. Not like like her day to day actions. Like right. Exactly. I, like I want it to notify me of like album releases and that sort of thing. Not where she's going to go eat lunch. Like I don't care about that. Yeah. Why would I? Everyone has to eat. Yeah. Exactly. It just shows the way people idolize each other in our culture it's terrible any exposure to a celebrity is going to be viral and good and we must know because they are a celebrity they might not even be rich they're just a celebrity because yeah lady gaga probably has a ton of money because she's big enough but um musicians don't often have a lot of cash just so you know so well and we're in the middle of a pandemic she probably just wanted to leave her house (laughs) yeah like, man, it's crazy. Uh, the world we live in. So the next song, Sour Candy, I actually liked this song. It's fun. It's It's got fun. the same feel, but the synthesizers were way more modern sounding, way more fun. Uh, it's got a good solid message, kind of getting the reference from Sour Patch Kids, you know, Sour Sweet Gone. <laughs> we all have our plot flaws, but we have our pluses too. You can't accept the flaws, and hey, you're out of here. You can't get the good things. That's a pretty cool message, I feel like, and a pretty clever way to present it. Uh, yeah. I had to look up who Blackpink was. I'm sorry I, that I for Blackpink fans out there, I didn't know they're a K-pop group, which makes sense because those lyrics are in Korean for a little bit, which before I looked up the lyrics again, I just heard that and I'm like, what? I don't know what that... <laughs> I didn't know that they were actually saying words because I didn't understand it. We still don't really know what it is because... Google is not helping us with translating the doggone phrase. Yeah, it, it just translates it so literally that I don't know what it actually means. We only know that it's at least the, the same message. There's nothing hidden there. If you yeah. if you think about what those lyrics could be, you're probably right. It's close enough. 
I don't know why. I guess it was because I tried to translate the entire phrase all at once instead of breaking it down. And I don't know Korean at all. I only know how to say hello. So uh, Mm -hmm. I'm completely removed from being able to uh, try to interpret it. And that's not what we're here for. But it's a it's a very fun song. All of the members of Blackpink are, are featured. They all sing on it and lady gaga barely sings on it uh she does for some of it but yeah this is mostly blackpink singing and it sounds like they had a ton of fun doing it and that lady gaga was psyched to be able to work with them so they are rather really really huge in korea and i just haven't happened to (laughs) hear of them before which i know some k-pop i just don't remember this name um and I didn't recognize the names of their hits either. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if they're big because they were really good. Yeah, they were really good. So what they the way that uh, the story goes for this song was that Lady Gaga called them up to have them sing on it. It was her idea, not the producer's idea, to have them on it. And Lady Gaga described herself as being the fifth member of Blackpink. The <laughs> way that this song was designed, which, which is you can just... totally hear that. So humble and respectful and lovely that it's not just they're here to back me up. No, it's Mm -hmm. that I got them here to do a song with them and I get to be part of their team for a song. Like That's such a lovely mindset. I know that that could have been thought about PR wise, but so much better than what a lot of artists would do. Yeah, you didn't have a, a uh, guest come in to rap a chorus and then be gone. <laughs> it's like they actually sang the song. It was be awesome. gone, Pitbull. <laughs> Back to the pool with you. Or Ludicrous. I feel like that's all he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. The next song on here, Enigma. I thought if you could take any song off of it, it would have been this one. Uh, Probably. But the way that... Lady Gaga and the producers described this song. This was like one of the most vital songs to the record because uh, it was originally going to be the title track. Yeah. And so this was like the, what they were focusing it around, which I thought was weird. Uh, now, one thing I did like about it, though, is they did let her voice shine more on this one. It was more focused around getting her voice to sound great than it was to get the EDM house feel, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was a nice change. You could definitely tell when you listen to it. But I, I don't know. Lyrically, it wasn't anything. It was nothing like the other ones lyrically. It wasn't super deep like the other ones. And if it was super deep, then it went over my head. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I, I just didn't get it. I mean, I get like an enigma as a mystery. Um, it To me, it just sounded like a typical pop love song. You know, it didn't yeah, sound I think like super a... deep like most of these. Like partially like a message to the fans and the the listeners like Lady Gaga has been a mysterious uh, figure for a long time. And I know that she's starting to break out as herself, um, as Stephanie and not just the uh, character of Lady Gaga and mm-hmm. even melding the two. And um, but there was like that time, I think it was like all the way back in middle school that people were wondering if she was even a woman. 
I remember remember that rumor and mm-hmm. uh, and for a long there was all like her crazy dresses, which of course those were all PR stunts, and she probably had a blast doing them because it would blow up in the media because she came out in a meat dress or something. When <laughs> really that's just like I don't. As long as that was her choice and her doing, then it's fantastic. I don't actually know. I haven't looked into it. But if that was her choice to do all the crazy dresses, then good on her. Because that's kind of hilarious how much she'd take over the media for a short time just because she showed up in something wacky. (laughs) Right. Uh, And now she's taking over the news because she's barely wearing anything, apparently. (laughs) Well, she's also getting was in the news a lot for her pink hat that she wore a lot during the last album. Oh, yeah. The one that's in the album cover. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't get this song as much. I thought it was decent, but not title track worthy. But clearly they changed their minds, too. So I think because it's a cool word and Enigma works for the Lady Gaga persona. And they probably just, the idea developed more and more. And uh, she probably realized that she she doesn't want to go too deeply into the persona thing anymore. She Mm -hmm. wants to be more personal. And if it was totally of this, like, I'll be a mystery. I'll be, uh, we could be anything you want. That's in the chorus of, um, you can interpret me however you want. Like, those sorts of messages, I don't feel like that a hundred percent goes with the album's ultimate uh, idea of you know self-respect and uh, emotional health and mental stability and all of that and finding a nirvana. But it works for Lady Gaga in the place that she's in, so True. it still carries on it's not like this one doesn't fit and this was like probably the first song that they did and then everything else kind of ruined it but they wanted it on here no it's not like that it's not it's not that far off it's just this is a different side of lady gaga and doggone does her voice sound good in the chorus that grit that she adds in there i love it when we get to hear that Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely next song replay this is my favorite I was going to say, this is one of my favorites. And you know, this is going to be really stupid, Matt. You might think I'm crazy for this. It's a very fun song. It's got some sweet bass lines, nice and bouncy. You know what song it reminded me of playing? Of and you're going to think I'm crazy. Of playing. Uh, uh, playing bass on. Um, I don't know. What? <laughs> what? It's It sounds crazy. And the more I think about it, the more I don't know why it, it reminded me of this. But it reminded me of when I played in one of the faculty concerts at Liberty, and we played Saturday in the Park. If you took Saturday in the Park and sped up the baseline, this is kind of what it felt like to me. Oh. It was real bouncy and fun and upbeat, you know? But then Saturday in the Park is nothing like this song whatsoever. But I don't. It, for some reason, that kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. Kind of weird, I know, but that, yeah. But then again, like the the lyrics are just so sad. The scars on my mind are on replay. Like, ouch! This is just probably tortured. the darkest song. I know, and just yet it is my mind. favorite by far. Musically, it is incredibly well written. It's uh, it's in E flat minor, I believe. 
which puts us in G flat, which is like my favorite key. And, uh, the, it's the grooviest. So that already is going to make both of us like it more. And that chorus, it's just, it's one of the best hooks that I think I've ever heard from her or even pop in general. <laughs> it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was such it was a great song. Just the lyrics, I, I feel so sad. I feel so bad for her. Um, the vocal strain when she sings that, uh, the monster inside, like the way yes. she sings inside is gorgeous. Uh, that is. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. It's so And gorgeous. I think that that lyric is referring to her older song called Monster from 2009. Oh yeah, I'm it's sure that's a bit of a... It's got a different feel, but it's similar lyrics. Um, I think it could point to different perspectives over time with how she's dealt with the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great song. Great song. Yeah, this is the one that I will continue to listen to and enjoy Mm -hmm. and i've already like learned how to play it i i I love it yeah such a good song it it is very good i also really like the next one which i know when we talked about this one it didn't sound like you liked this one as much um i like the way it sounds i lyrically i i don't like the way that they're referencing music as being god I, i don't like that um, but the song is actually pretty interesting because it was originally written for Elton John, then proposed to Lady Gaga. She changed it for her twist on it and they wanted to feature her on there, but the guy who wrote it had no idea how to get in contact with him. So he gave it to Lady Gaga cause he, or she's in good contact with Elton John. So she called him up. Thought that was yeah, interesting. they know each other. So, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was a good, good song, uh, Again, I, I don't really care for the lyrics on it, but, you know, it's good. And I actually think it's kind of cool. Like, if you didn't know that Elton John was on it, you would realize in the first verse that something is going to happen because she talks about the, uh, the sig- she hears a signal from above and then the signal splits in two and then Elton John shows up. I thought that was pretty clever wordplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could be referring to him coming on there, also thinking, you know, music used to be in mono, now it's in stereo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of uh, musical puns Mm -hmm. in this one, which are cute. Um, In the end, I do. I like the song overall. What I don't necessarily. It's not even that I don't like it. It's just perplexing the way that Elton sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't like heard him sing recently, but I'm 80 percent sure he doesn't sound like he does in this song if you like walked up to elton john and asked him to sing benny and the jets it he's probably not going to sound like this it does sound good and it fits really well with the tone it just doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like elton john it sounds uh i don't know if i said this on the last episode so i uh apologize but it sounds like the guy that sings radioactive from uh imagine dragons to me there are okay. moments that that's the vocal tone that I get from it, which if Elton John, there's not a single effect on here and he can just sing like that. That's incredible because he's he's pretty doggone old now. Um, <laughs> so the fact that he got close enough that some effects could do this at all is very impressive. And there are some uh, EDM drops in here that are really effective. Like this has the strongest like dubstep build and drop 
that uh, are from early, earlier in the past decade. So did Skrillex work on this? Uh, uh, they worked on almost every song on here, actually. Let, let me see. Percussion. Oh, I don't see his name anywhere. Interesting. I bet he snuck in the room. It has kind of dubstep drops in here, but uh, not not like a total electro- electronic breakdown Squillix style, but it has some of those uh, percussion double-time builds in it and that kind of a feel. And the... Uh, I, I like the song more at the end than I do at the start, like when it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, because it grows a lot from its stripped down intro mm-hmm. to the uh, the ending, where it's pretty thickly textured with electronic synth. And um, yeah, it's nice. It's not. It's a good song. I like it. It it makes me smile, and there's not really anything to dislike about it. It's just weird hearing Elton John not sounding like Elton yeah. John. I don't know. For sure. <laughs> it's not even a bad thing. It's just weird. Yeah, it's just different than what you'd expect. Which this album is so much of what you would expect to hear as far as musically. Lyrically, not, but musically, everything is as expected, so it is a little strange. Mm-hmm. So, the next song, A Thousand Doves, I thought the song was beautiful, yep. but I liked it way better on the piano demo version. Yeah, we looked <laughs> that up before uh, we started the episode because we just wanted to see if by now YouTube has. Uh, people uploading the exclusive stuff and if you look up anything i'd recommend uh checking out the piano demo for this song Mm -hmm. it i feel like the reason that they didn't include it besides you know the uh album just being a edm wonderland is that if it was just the piano version it probably would have been confused of just ripping off million reasons um Mm -hmm. which isn't fair because I would consider this a better song for me personally. I just like it more. Right. Million reasons is fantastic, but this one is just, it's gorgeous. Her voice sounds great on it. The piano and the progression that's being played lovely. And it does sound good in the, uh, in the album with the EDM. It's definitely a, like a dance anthem. And I think people will really enjoy it when they can go back to the club without walking out diseased, but Oh my gosh. (laughs) It has one of those uh, wow, 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 woes that people really like singing along to. That's true. That's true. And it's got a really positive message. I mean, the song, she described it as a cry for help. She recognized that she couldn't get through all of her issues by herself. She needed help from somebody else. The imagery of a dove trying to fly with broken wings, but if you give it a lift, it's able to, you know, able to get through. Mm Oh Hold dear! On a second. My wife. <laughs> My she wife. She knows that we're recording. I don't know so, anyways, so the imagery of the broken wings and then flying away is really cool. Yeah, um, I, I think maybe I like this one more than Million Reasons because this is uh, far more introspective, just like the whole album is in general, and uh, introspection is more poetic and uh more interesting to me than just another love song um 
it's just mm-hmm. good imagery that works really well with the uh, tonality that she's using. The, like these sounds in the song kind of sound pure, like you'd picture a dove. <laughs> and, uh, right. They probably thought of that and keeping it sounding very innocent and uh, natural and that that purity and kind of spiritual, because doves are a a, a like a spiritual low logo that's a symbol i guess and symbol yeah, uh, yeah not representative and <laughs> not just christianity but in general they have a lot of representation right. so it's just it's a beautiful growth just because like this album has a lot of addressing the the sexual assault and the dealing with those sorts of feelings and a dove is a symbol of purity so that makes it even more of an effective metaphor for mm-hmm. this song with that in context so this is about as good of uh, a pop song as you're going to get when it comes to uh right you know, seeing what the and artist is really feeling right and it's a good reminder that it's okay to ask for help yeah like nobody should if you're dealing with mental health issues or you know, even if it's not if you, any issues that you're dealing with, you should be you should be willing to ask for help because that can be the difference for you of getting through something or not. And don't be afraid because everybody needs help at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really good message. Finally, Babylon, and I have to say, we finally heard a horn. <laughs> so finally, something that wasn't electronic, and they kind of had a gospel choir. Kind of not, mostly not, but they had like that effect. <laughs> the the gospel choir might be the most humorous thing on this album. I love it yeah. so much. It's so funny and perfectly placed. This song mm-hmm. on its own is, it, it does fit this album, but just having that there and all, like this is the punniest song I've heard in a long time and just... It's hilarious to the point that I like it. It's not my favorite song on the album musically necessarily, but just everything that's put into it is so creative and clever and it's so funny. Like uh the the choir I don't recall everything they sing, but I know that they echo the that's gossip and mm-hmm. <laughs> as if it's like that's gospel. <laughs> Right, and uh, it's kind of a, a a play on that, and well, the whole song is a play on words. Babylon, Babylon let's babble on. Is babbling on. It's all about yeah. gossiping. The yeah, I don't and understand I the ancient city stuff entirely. Uh, besides it just being a pun, and then using that to make lyrics, it's I'm pretty so sure it's just silly. a pun. It's so. I think silly. the whole song is a pun. <laughs> And I can't tell, though, if she's talking about gossip as being a good thing or a bad thing, because I was reading what she said about it, and I, I can't tell. I honestly can't. <laughs> because the lyrics make it sound like it's a good thing, like, you know, gossip it makes it sound like she enjoys it, like it's fun. But when you're a pop star, gossip is not good. Like, um, she said that gossip, um, she said on this album, we did Babylon, a song about gossip, something that we had, something that had dominated my life that made me feel so small and chained. Now I wear chains and I wear them with pride. So she's basically saying she's embracing the gossip, which I guess is why that that is more upbeat. Um, Matt, did you catch the, uh, 
the um uh, what do you call it the what what i don't know what the right word is um did you catch the line about blood pop i actually just noticed it scrolling yeah. through the lyrics and saw funny. that i don't remember hearing it but that's funny Mm-hmm. yeah making a reference to the producer there um it was a fun song i mean it's it's a more fun song than a lot of them and i think the whole thing is just meant to be a pun i, I don't know how else to put it just to play on words of babylon and babbling on and about gossip it sounds like a song that could have a uh, a specific dance that goes with it mm-hmm. i mean the chorus strutted out walk a mile serve it ancient city style that's already setting up a choreographer to um pretty easily come up with some moves and i wouldn't be surprised if we get a music video of this song yeah she calls it the dance the dance celebration of the culmination of the album well that's a that's Um, a mouthful yeah that that is a mouthful (laughs) (laughs) um she said this is a new journey and incrementic i will dance my way through all the pain and every transition i make is into a new me which is consistently a miracle I vow to always have something to celebrate. And frankly, gossip is the hallmark of civilization, which I think is kind of weird. I think that's why she refers to Babylon, too, because Babylon, like an ancient the ancient city of Babylon, yeah. is kind of like a representation of ancient civilization. So kind of showing it's gone all the way back. But it, it's just a fun, funny song. I don't really know how else to put that one. <laughs> it's humorous. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound bad. It sounds fine. Yeah, sounds fine. Her her voice is kind of um she's not really singing that much in this one. It's a lot more on the spoken end, which mm-hmm. is typical of uh Lady Gaga in the past. And she didn't do that this much in the album. This has a lot right. of her singing and only some of her uh spoken style. It's not really rapping, obviously, but if you know Lady Gaga, you know what that means. <laughs> Right, exactly. Using a sort of an accent to say the words with a bit of a musical twist on them. Mm -hmm. That gaga voice. I'm always amazed by how deep her voice is when she does that too. She has a crazy range. (laughs) It's it's incredible. So what would your final thoughts be on this album? Overall, I like it. I don't know what number I'd slap onto it. It's fun. I have, I'm not sick of it. I don't think that I'll listen to it that much. I've listened to it a lot and my wife loves it. So I've heard it even more than when uh-huh. I've sat down and listened to so it. So you'll still listen to it. It just might I'm not be I'm going to hear it in the car when I'm driving her around <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it until I secretly <laughs> uh, take it off of her downloads on her Spotify. But right <laughs> now she knows she'll check. Um, it's it's fun. I adore the the lyrical journey. Like her writing in this is a ten out of ten. Replay on its own is so good, and I enjoy it so much that um, it's going to leave a good impression no matter what. Like the EDM can get a little bit tiresome, but I enjoy the, listening to that song and even jamming out to it Mm -hmm. so much so that it's just it's very well done the message is great 
like I said, I yeah. connect well with the, the mental health stuff and have a lot of, um, you know, needs for myself in that regard. So a lot of it can make sense to me and, uh, I can connect to those messages and she's just a really good artist. Oh, plus she mm -hmm. was my neighbor. So of course I have to love it. <laughs> yeah. I think if you were to ask me to rate this song out of out of 10, I would have to think about it two ways. If I think about the lyrical content as far as creativity and getting a message through, I feel like you have to give it a 10 lyrically. Mm -hmm. It's one of the only albums that I've listened to that the lyrics have actually been captivating to me because typically I'm not a lyric guy. I, I prefer to listen to more like a Miles Davis or Coltrane solo than I do interesting lyrics, but... I have to say this one, I really enjoyed it. I would give it a 10. If I think about it musically, um, I, when you're, when I'm grading this, I have to keep in mind that this was a number one album. Mm -hmm. So that being said, musically, I feel like it's like, it's at like a five for me musically because it, it's not bad. It's got great stuff in there, but it's not what I would have expected for a number one album. True. Yeah. You know? And I think that's so, fair. Like, runs around the middle there are mm -hmm. moments i adore and a couple songs are really good but i automatically kind of take a point away in my mind because of the uh because of rain on me because of the lost potential there and i don't know if there's something that i'm missing but i also i really haven't heard differently of course there's super fans that will love anything that these people put out but i've also heard people that are just you know general music listeners that heard rain on me and were like really like mm -hmm. you're going back that far with the sound and this was such a huge opportunity between these two uh, women of music to work together and this is what you did like come on producers get with it but uh, so yeah i think i'd agree it's I don't know, maybe overall because replay was so good, I'd think a seven, but Right. And I do like yeah. Lady Gaga and her persona a lot. Right. If I combine the two scores, I feel like I would have to give it like a seven and a half. Because I can't quite give it an eight because it's not my sort of style, you know. I think I give Lady Gaga like a nine or a ten, and I give the producers <laughs> about a four. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. Because the of it. we we heard that piano playing, which was probably Lady Gaga herself, and we know that her musical abilities are far surpassing what it seems these producers are capable of, capable of, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I I doubt that a future album will sound that much different, and we'll probably get a lot of the same people on it, but. Who knows? Maybe some of the criticisms on this, because it's gotten a lot of attention. It's a huge album that they'll take to heart and uh, take advantage of that for next time. And if we're lucky, maybe Ariana Grande will come back to give it another go with with Lady Gaga yeah. and we'll hear something really cool from them. Or maybe the other way around. Who knows? Lady Gaga's right. not really a feature artist, but you never know. Yeah, that's true. And it, I mean, you got there's two ways to think about this album. You can think of it as, man this really wasn't that interesting, not that amazing, but also at the same time, it checked all the boxes. It had the perfect formula and it hit number one and made a ton of money. So I can't fault them. It's better than anything I've ever done. So, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> made more money than I could ever dream of. So, so hey, it was Taylor know. Swift, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you like this, go to justabasics.com. There are more flip side episodes. You can just click the flip side tab and see a bunch of them in a little playlist there for you. Also, hit subscribe uh, and give us a five star review if you like it. So, we will see you guys next week. See ya. Thank you.